Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. And yes, tonight is the show, The Seven-Year Ministry of Jesus. This is important. It's a concept maybe you've not heard before, maybe you have, but maybe you haven't heard it the same way. Like with anything, you just need to pray over it, seek the Lord, and uh, ask Him to guide you in understanding about the seven-year ministry of Jesus. And folks, this is all about understanding what the Lord is about to do uh, through his people in these last days. And we're going to have Brother Benjamin on here with us. I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, If you didn't get to hear last week, uh, folks, go on, check out last week's program. Um, We are living in such volatile times. Uh, Being prepared to stand in this hour is so important in understanding who it is that you serve and understanding where you draw that line in the sand. You need to, you need to make those decisions. Now don't make it later, make it be like Joshua for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord. And, uh, and in that way, you've already made up your mind. You know, where you're going, uh, whatever you need to deal with, deal with it. Now don't deal with it later. This is the hour. Don't put off tomorrow. What can be dealt with today because tomorrow, honestly and truthfully, might be just a little too late. Uh, these times are, every week is crazier. The vaccine mandates, all these things they want to do to us to force us. And, and listen, it's getting it's getting more insane and more insane. And uh, every week in some places, they're trying to make it so you can't even do anything without the vaccine. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, it is a downhill spiral. Make that decision today. Well, I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin tonight with us because this program we've been talking about it it's coming well it's here and we want to dive right into that so without any further ado brother benjamin are you here with us i hope i am good evening praise god glad to have you here uh this is a highly anticipated show and looking forward to it brother the first time folks i'm not going to spoil it because benjamin's getting into it but the first time i heard about this was in 1999, early in the year, probably starting in about February, when uh, into January, maybe it was the beginning of February, when God blessed me with this book uh, called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And I didn't know the Lord. I didn't, I grew up in church, but you know, I didn't know the Lord and I came to the Lord and I did know some fundamental things because my parents took me to church. So I knew some fundamental things. And this seven year ministry of Jesus was something I'd never heard. My father hadn't heard about this. We started to look into it and I'm telling you folks, you need to listen and check this out because it is a wonderful uh, study to get into. And so brother Benjamin, thank you you were coming on tonight brother i'm going to ask you to open with a word of prayer and i'm going to ask listeners right now for a special request um right now from my side of the family i have a cousin and uh you all don't know him his, his name's david and he and i did a lot of bad stuff um together growing up and um crazy things we were talking the other day we're it's amazing we are alive right now but benjamin he's coming to the lord right now at 47 And I am so excited. 
And brother, I'm going to ask that you could just pray a hedge of protection. You know, the enemy is going to come at him like a flood. And uh, brother, I'm, I'm asking you and the listeners, I want David to come because it's one more part of the family coming to the kingdom. And, and I'm just excited right now. So I'm going to drop that out there as a special request that I have personally to see my cousin um, just finish that journey to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, that all of the chosen would come in. Amen. Yeah, that the fullness of the Gentiles would come in. Amen. The door of the ark would be closed soon. Amen. We pray for your, it's your cousin, right? Yeah, he's my cousin, David. His name's David. Oh, yeah. God. If I even told you how we came to start talking, it was God leading out of nowhere. He lays it on my heart. It's just unbelievable. My father told him to call me a few days. I had no idea before. All of a sudden, God puts the burden on my heart to get in touch with him. It was all simul. It just, God was leading. Well, good. And we want to be following. And so we pray for your yes. cousin David. We pray for all of the loved ones that are precious in the hearts of all of our listeners. Amen. We ask for God's mercy for our children, our children's children, and for other family members that have been really taken captive by the by the evil one. Mm. Such a veil of deception over the land. A great deception even upon the church. Mm. You know, this is the hour when Majority of people can no longer endure sound doctrine, so they've turned to fables. But yes, we, we pray that the word of truth would come forth and bless people of God and that the word of truth would come and bring salvation Amen. for those that don't yet know the Lord. Amen. Father, Amen. we do lift up Frank's cousin, David. We lift Amen. up all of our family members. Yes. All of our loved ones that are still under the deception of the devil and under the deception of this ruined age. And Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over all of these souls that are so dear to each and every one of us. And we stand in the gap for them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We rebuke Satan. We rebuke the deceiving spirits. Yes. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and touch them and bring conviction upon them. Open their eyes. Let them see the light of your truth. Touch their hearts. Let them respond in faith. Breathe upon them and bring your, your new life. Bring salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, many of us have been praying for family members for quite some time. And we haven't seen the fruit of those prayers. But I, Lord, I pray that you would bless and strengthen mm -hmm. and encourage yes. those who've been standing in the gap. Because, Lord, you are a God who hears and answers prayer. And, and we need to wait on you no matter what amount of waiting is required. But, Lord, I also pray you would teach this people how to take authority, how to pray with the authority that you've given us. Mm. And so we do come in Jesus' name in yes. the spirit world. And we lift these people up. We lift David up. We lift the loved ones up that are on the hearts of each listener. Yes. And we take authority over the gatekeeping spirits. and We bind them. We command them to be moved out of the way. They will not block the word mm. of truth. 
We come against hindering spirits in Jesus' name. We bind them up as well and command them out of the way. And we bind and rebuke the strong men spirits that will hinder no more. Mm, hallelujah. Pray that the strong men would be bound and we command them to get out of the way. And then we speak into the second heaven and we, we command every spirit that is trying to block every, every hindering gatekeeping and every strong man spirit trying to block the light of truth, the word of truth from the second heaven, be moved out of the way. We pray that the anointing of God would open over the lives of these that we stand in the gap for, mm. that they would receive the word of truth. Amen. That they would hear the voice of the Lord speak to their spirit and Lord, that their, their lives will be touched by you and that they would know Lord, that you had touched them and spoken to them. Mm, yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Seven-year ministry of Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, what, a, what a concept, right? I mean, who ever heard of that? <laughs> mm. I remember sitting down with a, a pastor, a friend of mine, and he was a pastor in, in the Vineyard Movement. His name was John McClure, and we will all meet Brother John in the Kingdom. He was the one pastor out of 400 that stood up at a vineyard pastor's meeting and said, this spirit move that's coming through the Toronto church that is manifesting in Pensacola and that is ultimately going to manifest in the, in the Todd Bentley revival in, in Florida is not the spirit of God. It's mm. counterfeit. Yes. It's the, kundalini devil that is you know the anointing of the wicked ones and and he was literally thrown out 400 pastors of the vineyard church isn't that kind of like the 400 prophets of baal that opposed elijah so the same yes thing, isn't it? absolutely what a number right 400 years of slavery and in the Israelites in Egypt and 400 false prophets of Baal in the kingdom and in 400 years of the Mayflower Compact, 10 generations of testing completed. And, uh, you know, so many people love to criticize. I had, um, um, had some feedback on the new YouTube channel, which is the day of the Lord is at hand. And you guys should check it out. Um, my new YouTube channel, there's going to be a message in the next coming days on the Valley of Hinnon that you are absolutely going to want to hear. This is probably the, perhaps the most powerful message that I will ever bring. And I've been downloading it in prayer and in the word for over a week. And it's, I'm so thankful because this message will set you on fire. And this message will break the chains. And this message will be the spark that is going to ignite revival in the camp of the remnant and and in revival in all of our lives. And, and we need a breakthrough because these are perilous days. You know, it's it's not about watching the news. We're in this battle. And those of us that are trying to press in, we are we're fighting. It's hand-to-hand -hand combat. We are wrestling, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And their advantage over us is the, the strongholds, 
that we can't even see. These are the bondages that exist in the places of darkness. And God wants these places exposed. He wants these points where the enemy has power over us. He wants those redeemed. He wants them cleansed in the fire. And he wants his people set free. We're coming into a time of jubilee. The day of vengeance is in my heart, the Lord says. And the year of my redeemed has come. And the seven-year ministry of Jesus Christ is, is about to begin again. You know, the Lord did the first half himself as a man. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He was born into the earth as a man. But he was born of a virgin because his father was God Almighty in heaven. And what a miraculous Incredible, almost unbelievable, right? I mean, if it wasn't in the scripture, would you believe it? Would we have ever thought of it? That God would be born into the earth in the form of a man and nobody would even know that it was him. He would walk among us for years. The whole world created through him and, and even his own people failing to recognize him for who he was. Only a remnant of people could even see their eyes were open to receive the revelation that the Messiah had come. The king had come. The king of kings standing among us as a servant. He came and he put on the robes of a slave and he washed our feet. What? There's no theology for this. That's why the Pharisees rejected it. Could anything good come from Nazareth? Where was this revelation? Pointed out in the scriptures, we all know that the Holy One will come from Bethlehem. Nothing good comes from Nazareth, does it? Or maybe that prophecy, the people in the north would see a great light. Light of God would actually, even though he was born in Bethlehem, he grew up in in Nazareth, the place of Netzer, the place of thorns, the place of the outcast. And who could believe any of this until it was fulfilled by the Lord? There was no theology for what God was going to do in sending his son into the world. Everyone was convinced he was coming to deliver us from the Romans. He was going to restore the Davidic kingdom. And he was going to judge the wicked. And he was going to redeem the righteous. And in so doing, he was going to save us from our sin. And, and, and it's the reason why so many re refused to receive the ministry of Jesus. Why the religious leaders all condemned him. And, and not only did he completely blow up their eschatology. Because everything they believed, he turned upside down. But he also, he went even further than ruining their Bible prophecy chart. He abolished their covenant. What? He did. He brought an end to the old covenant. He brought in a new covenant. What? This, they considered this heresy. A covenant by his own blood. Unheard of. And, and he stood up and he, and he taught them, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. They thought he was raving mad. 
but he was teaching revelation that had never been seen before. And now we look back with the hindsight, you know, 2020 vision in hindsight, and we understand that he was the Passover lamb. It's his blood on the doorpost of our hearts caused the angel of death to pass over our lives. His blood upon our homes causes the, the dark ones to retreat in fear. And by his death, our sins are covered. His mercy came at the price of his own life. We understand all of that now. But at the time, who could see these mysteries? Well, does it surprise you that at the end of the age, the Lord would yet do the same? Secret things belong to God. It's the business of kings to find them out. We'll be about the business of kings tonight. We're going to look into some of the mysteries of scripture. And, you know, hold your objections, you know. I mean, well, you can keep your objections if you want, but I would prefer you turn off my channel and take all the critical feedback to, you know, go to the best life now, people, and criticize them. But, you know, if you've come to listen, then listen well and take heed how you hear. Because this, this message, this teaching is in the word of God. And actually, it's the centerpiece of Bible prophecy, because the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the totality of the word of God is to reveal the father. And the father is revealed through his son, as he told his disciples, how long have you been with me? What do you mean? Show me the father. Show us the father. Do you not know that? In the Son of Man, you will see the Father revealed. And in the children of the righteous one, you will see the Lord revealed. Born again in his image. You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We, we all understand that, you know, we have Jesus inside of us if we're born again. If we've actually been saved. You know, if we're we're part of that little company of saints that are walking on the narrow way, that have waited on the Lord for the, for the right and the privilege to enter through the straight and narrow gate in which few there be that walk therein. Now the many that are on the wide road doing what is right in their own eyes, and they're honoring the Lord. Oh, yes, oh, they, they talk about the Lord. They take his word on their lips. They speak often. And they even swear in the name of the Holy One, but not in truth or in righteousness. They're the ones that are walking in the, the way that leads to perdition. Many there be that walk in that way. You know, this, this message tonight is not for the wide roaders. You know, they already know everything anyway, so they probably would have already turned this program off. But um, this revelation is for the remnant. The ones who were chosen before the foundation of the world. And unto us is given the insight into the revelation of God. So the seven-year ministry of Jesus, what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about the reality that the Messiah has a ministry that was given to him by his father. 
Amen. And that ministry is actually the work of the Lord. He came to do the work of his father. And in the first manifestation, when Jesus came as a man among us, he came to fulfill the work of the Lamb of God. He came as the humble servant. He came as the one who was despised and rejected of men. He came as a man of sorrow. And he came to bring the living bread to the children of the Father. And then he came to lay his life down as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth, according to the eternal plan of the Father. And that ministry lasted three and a half years. But he has a second ministry to fulfill. And in the second ministry, he's not going to come as a lamb anymore. He's going to come as a lion. It's a different metaphor. The lamb is defenseless. The lion from the tribe of Judah comes with the full power of almighty God. Infinite power of God. The picture of the lion is, is but a metaphor. The power of the king. He's coming as almighty God. But he's coming to fulfill a ministry in the earth before he comes in the clouds. And I'll share with you the biblical authority for that. But first I want to just share, you know, how, how did I ever come to that understanding? I did not gleam it from the scriptures. I, I actually heard this from the Lord in the mid-1980s when the Lord spoke to me and said, and this was absolutely out of the blue. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't praying. I was actually doing some chores and, and the Lord spoke audibly to me and he said, I have a seven year ministry in the earth and I'm only half finished. And I thought, wow, I never heard that before. Where is that in the word of God? It's got to be in the word, but I had no idea where. Well, we're going to talk about where this prophecy is found in the word of God, because it's actually the centerpiece of Bible prophecy, it's found in Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy. It's found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. And, and I'm going to just let me open our Bibles. You guys can go there with me. Let's look over to Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27. Of course, this is probably the most studied section of prophecy. It's the centerpiece of, of the entire prophetic revelation. The whole book of Daniel is really the center of of the, it, it's the cornerstone, if you will, to interpreting prophecy correctly. And Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy is, is the linchpin. And of course, the 70 weeks prophecy was given to Daniel at the end of Jeremiah's 70 years. In Daniel 9, in the very first verse, we know Daniel said, you know, it's actually verse 2, in the first year of the reign of Darius, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So the 70 years were ending, and Daniel set his face in prayer to, to find out from God what was next. And, and what Daniel was told is the 70 weeks prophecy. And the centerpiece of that 70 weeks prophecy is verse 27. We're told that he shall confirm the covenant with the many. And the word is rabim. 
the covenant with the Rabim for seven years. And in the midst of that seven years, it will cause the sacrifice of the temple and the daily oblation to cease. And so, prophecy students, in these last days, we've all been taught that that reference is to the Antichrist who will confirm the covenant of death, which is the covenant that Yitzhak Rabin signed on the White House lawn on September 13th, 1993 on Rosh Hashanah in the presence of Bill Clinton and he signed the covenant of death with Yasser Arafat. And at some point in the future, the Antichrist will come forth following World War III and he will confirm the Oslo Peace Accord. He will enforce the peace of the Middle East. And for seven years, under the reign of, of a satanic global government, the land of Israel will be divided, the holy city will be divided, and the forces of the Antichrist will enforce covenant in which Israel violated the word of God and promised to surrender the holy land to the enemies of God in exchange for the mere promise of peace. And this is all true. The Antichrist will exactly do these things. But every prophecy is fulfilled twice, and every act of the Antichrist is nothing more than a counterfeit of the ministry of the true Messiah. And the true Messiah will also confirm the covenant of his father, the covenant of life. And he will confirm the covenants of his God for seven years. And in the first coming, when Jesus first came among us as a man, he fulfilled the old covenant perfectly and he lived a sinless life. And then he laid his own life down, the living sacrifice as the holy lamb of God to make the final atonement for the sins of his people. Because the sin of man could never be completely removed by the blood of goats and sheep and bulls and lambs. It required the blood of the holy one himself. Our sin required the blood of our God to be poured out in our place. Our God died for us. And that's why death has no power over us. Because in dying and then rising from the dead, in the very power of his being, he vanquished death. And he brought, he took the full brunt of the curse upon himself. The Lord stood in the gap for us and he took the bullet, he took the sword, he took the nails and he took the whip and he took the crown of thorns, and he took all of the abuse and all the punishment hell could throw at him. And that was his ministry. That was his mission. That was his work that he did, given to him by his father. And he was, a, it enabled the Lord to save you and me. And all those other beautiful little children that the Lord is gathering up in his arms. Allowed the Lord to save the righteous. And so he did so willingly. He could have. They could have stopped. He could have come down from that cross. In a moment. Had he so choose. All he had to do was let go of your hand. 
we would have slipped into hell. But the Lord was never going to let go of us. He will never forsake us. So that was the first ministry of Jesus. And it lasted three and a half years. But he's going to confirm the covenant. Well, which covenant? Both covenants. In the old covenant, having been replaced by a new covenant. Now, I know some people are confused and think that we're still under the old covenant. Okay. I would direct you to some of the other programs where I try to explain that when God brought the new covenant through the blood of Jesus, he dramatically changed the covenant relationship between his people and himself. Wherein under the new covenant, we can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. And every believer is called to be a priest of God and to walk in the authority of God. Now, the fact that the church doesn't walk in his authority and the fact that the church doesn't even understand the new covenant um, is an issue that speaks to the condition of the church and not the reality of the new covenant. The new covenant was made in the blood of Messiah. The cup of the new covenant is the Passover cup. It's the wine we drink, the, the bread that was, that was broken on the Passover Eve, the unleavened bread that is burned in the fire. If you, if you remember the matzah bread, it's literally got burn marks and it's got punctures. And it represents the body of Jesus burned in the fire, pierced for our transgressions. The living sacrifice laid down in the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. It's the ministry of the Messiah to now fulfill the other half of the new covenant. He fulfilled the old covenant. He opened the door to the new covenant. And now in the second half of his seven-year ministry, he is going to complete all of the promises of God that will be fulfilled in the latter-day reign, and in the new covenant at the end of the age, in which the Lord will rise up in his people like a mighty lion from Judah. So let me go back to the, to the one part of this new covenant that we were all taught, even in Sunday school, and every one of us knows very, very well. If you've been born again, you have Jesus inside of you. The spirit of God is in you. You've been sealed. Your spirit has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You now have the earnest deposit of, of the salvation of God. The, the seal of God's salvation is on your spirit. It's as if God had, had literally wrapped up your spirit in the power of his spirit and put his he put his seal, his signet ring, in the seal over your spirit, man, and said, this is mine. And over your life, you now have been separated unto God. You are his purchased possession. But that is just the beginning of salvation. And the God that is in you wants to transform you. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to bring you out of slavery to sin. Now, this is where the church got confused. For some reason, the church misunderstood the doctrine of justification from the doctrines of sanctification. And the church, many, many of churches 
presumed that the only thing that salvation would bring into your life is legal justification before the throne of God. And legal justification is true. Once you're saved, you have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. You have been redeemed from the curse. And before the throne of Almighty God, you are the righteousness of Christ in the eyes of the Father. And you will never perish. You, you will walk in eternity with the Lord. If you are his salvations of the Lord, and it's his job to save you. But it is our job to fulfill this covenant in us. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God working in you and through you. It is our responsibility to cooperate in the process of sanctification. And that is where the church of this hour has failed. It's where we've been beaten by the enemy. And it's where so many struggle in defeat in the inner man. So many are not walking in the peace of the Holy Spirit. So many are not walking in the victory. In the life abundantly that Jesus came to give us. The Antichrist, the bees shall wage war on the saints. And we know in the book of Daniel that to a great extent, he will overcome them at the end of the age. So why is the church being defeated? Now, in many of the churches, they're just claiming victory. You know, name it and claim it. They're declaring victory, and that's all. They're not going to hear anything else. But, you know, wisdom's vindicated by our children. Reality is the ultimate measure of truth. You know, we can, we can claim things, but unless they are real, we are deceiving ourselves. And... So the reality of the new covenant is manifest in the life that is sanctified. And that is the life of the remnant. And, you know, what does it take for us to, to become sanctified? A lot of pain. Listen, if you're, if you're walking in your best life now, you know, if you're, if you're full of the wealth and full of the pleasures of Babylon, then this program is not for you. You really need to be listening to those other guys. But in the lives of the remnant, who've been called to walk in the same path that the master endured. It's the path of affliction, the path of sorrow, the path of testing, the path of purging. It's the wilderness of Jordan. It's the place where the crown of thorns is earned and where the crown of glory will be bestowed. In that group, the Lord is about to come forth in his temple. Because under the new covenant, we're not going to worship in a temple made of stone anymore. God is not looking for a third temple to be constructed in Jerusalem. Although they will build a third temple in Jerusalem, and the Antichrist will take his seat in it. In the final abomination that makes desolation. But the temple of God in this hour, under the new covenant, is a temple of living stones in which each of us become part of the living temple. And the Lord is going to come forth 
in his people. And what, what is my authority for that? Well, let's go to the very last prophecy in the scriptures. The prophecy of Malachi. Behold, I will send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you are seeking, he shall suddenly come to his temple. What temple are we talking about? The scripture answers the question. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. So right here in Malachi 3, we're being told the Lord is going to come forth in his people. But wait a minute. I thought we had Jesus inside of us. If we are born again, and if we're filled with the spirit. Well, this is true that Jesus is in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit, because God is one. The Lord is one. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one God. And so the Holy Spirit is in us. God is in us. But this anointing, this the portion of the Holy Spirit that is given unto us when we repent and, and receive the Lord and meet the Lord for the first time. This is a portion. It's, it's, a, it's a measure of the spirit and it's poured out into our spirit. But the anointing that is coming with, without measure is when the fullness of the spirit of God completely transcends our, our entire vessel. And we begin to pour out the, the water. The living water pours out of us. The golden oil pours out of us. The, and then the manifest works of God are manifest in us. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils with a word. They will lay their hands upon the sick. And the sick will recover. They won't send the sick away telling them, oh, well, this is the thorn that Paul had to bear. You know, we prayed for you. We declared your healing and uh, we have no power. So we're just going to declare this a thorn that must be with you forever. Which is what they do in these charismatic churches. No, this anointing without measure. The sick shall be covered. And deadly poison will have no power over them. Deadly vaccines will have no power over them. The red dragon himself will have no power over them. So the Lord is about to come forth out of his place. He's been, he's been hiding himself, if you will, inside the lives of his people. You know, if you've got God in you, because you're born again and, and you've received the Holy Spirit, and that's different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For you guys, you know, doctrinally, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit in your spirit and you're sealed and, and your spirit is transformed. And, and now you have the process of sanctification awaiting you. And, and it's, a, it's a difficult process. It's, it's sort of like leaving Egypt and making your way to the promised land. And, and most of us spend 40 years wandering around in the deserts of Sinai, stumbling over the same rocks, walking around the same mountains. And a lot of us never actually even enter in until we, until we enter the next life. And, but the reality was the Israelites could have walked to the promised land in two weeks had they gone straight and narrow to the north. And every one of us has the authority to fully enter into the presence of God. 
if we were to be straight and honest with the Lord and straight and honest with ourselves. But we don't want to do the work. We don't want to do the hard work. Oh, no, no. We want our best life now and we want it easy. You know, can't we just forget about all of those things and just claim the victory? Well, the answer is no. You just can't claim your sanctification. You have to go through the process. And, and it's an easy process to short circuit. We all want to short circuit. But in the lives of the remnant who've been through the fires, they've gotten to the point where the pain was so great, they were ready to get real. And they were ready to really pursue the Lord with all of their heart and with weeping and fasting and mourning. And in those lives, the transformation is beginning. And they're being transformed into what I would describe as being born again totally, transformed utterly. And in the lives of that anointed remnant, the Lord is about to come forth and introduce himself to the world. I tell people, the God that's in you has been doing a very good job of hiding himself. Because if you really have the spirit of God in you, when you walk into a room, the people in the room don't know God just walked in the room. Well, in the time that is ahead of us, when the Lord is revealed in his people, the people are going to know the Lord came in the room with you. And you will see the effect. The wicked will fall in their faces, weeping in sheer terror, simply because one of the anointed ones has come into the room. But it's not so with the Laodicean church. It's not so with the people of compromise. Isaiah 26 speaks of them. You know, we've, we've wrought no deliverance in the earth. A church, a, a power, we've wrought, as it were, only air. All, all we've got is words. You know, in, in most churches today, if people are oppressed to the devil, they can't get delivered. Quite a few churches, you've got witches on the prayer team now. You know, it's more dangerous to go forward. I mean, this is, I'm sorry to report the truth when it's so sad, but the Lord is coming. The mighty one is coming. The day of redemption is coming. The year of his redeemed is coming and deliverance is coming and anointing without measure is coming. And in this time, the Lord is going to come forth out of his place and he will come down and he will tread upon the high places of the earth. Micah chapter 1, verse 3. It speaks of this anointed remnant in Isaiah 13, where God says, I've called my sanctified ones. Okay, these are not the people that cannot endure sound doctrine. These are not the people that are teaching doctrines of demons. These are not the churches of Babylonian compromise. These are people that have been through the fires like Job, that have been through the persecution that Jesus knew, the persecution that Joseph knew. They've been through the persecution that King David knew before he was given the throne and the scepter of authority. Because those that would rule must rule in the fear of God. And they must rule in the righteousness of God. Can't be ruling for the purposes of their own carnal pleasures or for their solical agenda. We have to be on the agenda of the Father, which means we have to die to ourselves before we can enter into the fullness of the life of Jesus, we must first turn from our own. And that is not a 
remodeled version of your best life now. It's more like your cross finishing its work now so the life of Jesus can come forth out of you. And in that place, the Lord says, I've called my sanctified ones. And I've also called my mighty ones for my anger. And that's their ministry. Because the Lord's about to come forth in his people in the day of vengeance. The noise of a multitude in the mountains. The kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts. Adonai Tizvaot, which translates the God of armies musters the army for his war and they come from a far country even from the end of heaven who can come from heaven the lord they come from the lord it is the lord in them and they are now fashioned as the weapons of his indignation they come to destroy the whole land of babylon they also come to redeem the righteous they come to deliver the little lambs they come to save the little moms, the single mothers with little babies. They come to deliver the ones that cannot save themselves, whose hearts are true to the Lord. And then they come to execute the judgment written on the kingdom of the beast for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord himself taught of this mystery in Luke 17, beginning in verse 26. It'll be as it was in the days of Noah. So it shall also be in the day of the Son of Man. Why did Jesus call himself the Son of Man? Ezekiel was called the Son of Man by the Spirit of God. Daniel was called the Son of Man by the, by the angel of the Lord. And Jesus called himself the Son of Man. So doing, he identified with Ezekiel. God will strengthen and with Daniel servant of God. In the days of the Son of Man, likewise, it'll be as in the days of Lot. And in the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, Jesus is not talking about when he comes in the clouds. That is at the end of the age, when it, the when the flood came in the days of Noah, that was the beginning of the judgment. When the fire and brimstone rained on the daughter of Babylon, as it did in Sodom and Gomorrah, which the scripture testifies of in Jeremiah 50 and 51, it shall be as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities of the Goy, land of the Chaldeans, where they worship the beast. And the men choose to become women. The women want the authority of the men nation of people on drugs, following a sorcerer's ritual, looking to the sorcerers for salvation from the darkness that the same sorcerers brought upon the land. In that land, the Son of Man will be revealed in his people. And that's when the seven-year ministry, the second half, begins. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then the Lord will again begin his work. Only now he will do his strange work. And he'll bring to pass his strange act. The scripture calls this ministry of Jesus the strange work. Because the people did not expect the Lord to do this. And it's a strange work because 
it's also strange to the Lord. He does not like some of the work that he must now do because he's going to have to cleanse his temple with fire. He's going to have to make a whip and he's going to have to drive the money changers from the house. He's going to have to cleanse his bride if she's not already clean. The people of God have refused his instructions to prepare themselves for the great day of testing which shall soon come upon the earth. If they choose to walk on in disobedience, refusing the call of the prophetic, refusing the cry of his spirit, calling them to solemn assemblies, to times of weeping and fasting and prayer, they choose to continue to eat and revel in the flesh and the feasting of Babylon. They will leave the Lord no choice, and he will have to do the strange work which he purifies his beloved with fire. He cleanses his own house by burning it from within because he must burn out all of the sin. But in the lives of the remnant, they will have made themselves ready. In the, in the lives of the remnant, they are the Lord's person portion therefore they cannot be burned in the fire they are reserved to the fire whatever has been dedicated to the lord cannot be burned in the fires of judgment for it is the lord's portion now if you're born again your life belongs to the lord but if in your flesh you're still walking in sin you're still walking in rebellion you're still walking in in defeat your spirit, man, belongs to the Lord and will be preserved through the fire. But you might find your life cleansed in that very fire. And I can assure you, this fire is hotter than you imagine. And Frank, you might remember, I, I used to describe it as God using a blowtorch and an iron brush to clean his people. But the good news is you get cleaned very quickly. And thoroughly. Oh, completely. Look, Israel passed through many tribulations. Through much tribulation, we entered the kingdom of God. And, you know, if, if you're thinking we all get a pass on this because we're Christians, you're kidding yourself. The Lord, well, look what he did in Israel. You know, and, and they thought they had a pass. They thought they, they, they had... They were exempt from judgment. They, they had embraced the doctrine of Balaam that they could have a little bit of sin and your best life now and salvation because, hey, they're the children of Abraham. They're the chosen ones. They have the temple. They honor the Lord every Sabbath and on, on the feast days too. But they didn't understand our commitment had to be absolute. And in order to be part of this remnant that's coming, the Lord is coming among us. He is going to set the whole world on fire. If we're not clean, that fire will burn the unclean part of our lives. And I don't know if you've ever been set on fire by the Lord, but I have. He's burned my feet for seven days and he burned my hands for an evening. And I would dare say he turned me over to the Chaldeans and he let them burn me as well. And that burning fire is good for us. We need to see 
our eyes need to see clearly. So many blind. Just because you're listening to the news and you know the lateness of the hour, it means nothing. You could still be blind as a bat, walking in your deception. Unless we're fasting and praying, unless we're weeping and mourning, we are kidding ourselves. And when the Lord comes to tread the high places of the earth, when he comes in the messenger of his covenant, when he comes in the remnant that have prepared their hearts, a living offering. You know, the one thing about the remnant that I've, and I, I know some people that are in the remnant, I just I can bear witness of it in my spirit. Every one of them has got one thing in common. Every one of them took a vow and vowed unto the Lord, Lord, I give you my whole life and, and do in me whatever it takes to purify me. And I can tell you, they didn't walk into their best life now after that prayer. They were set on the road to Golgotha and they suffered persecution of the world they suffered the rejection of a compromised church and they suffered the loss of in many cases everything that they loved they suffered the loss of their health their wealth their children and they walked through the times that Job knew that's the remnant in this hour they're like Joseph in the prisons of Egypt David in the cave of Abdullah Job sitting in the ashes of what was once his house. And in that place, all pride is gone. In that place, you're ready to forgive. It doesn't matter what they said or did to you. In that place, you've got nothing left but the Holy One. And in that place, you're ready to fast and pray. It's not a burden. It's a benefit. It's not something that you struggle and you look for the, the time of fasting and prayer to end. It's a time when you rejoice because you know God's going to work and victory's going to come. Because this whole world is slipping into the darkness. But the Holy One is ready to appear. The Lord is about to be revealed in his people when he comes suddenly into the living temple. And who can abide the day when the Lord comes to visit us? And who can stand when he appears in the anointed remnant of his people? For he's like a refining fire and like a fuller's soap. And he will refine and purify the children of God. He will purge them as gold and silver is purged, that they may offer an offering to the Lord in righteousness. And then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old. And God says, and I will come near to you in judgment. Judgment begins in the house of God. Begins with the elders. Begins with the remnant. Then it will, it will come to the entire house of God. And then, only then will he judge the wicked. I will come near to you in judgment, says the Lord. And I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers. You don't want to be a sorcerer and call yourself a Christian or against the adulterers. Against those who swear falsely, bear false witness. And those who oppress the hireling in his wages or who oppress the widow or who oppress the fatherless or turn the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord. I am the Lord. I change not. 
Therefore, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. God's actually providing us a little encouragement there to tell us, look, this fire is coming, but it's going to burn you to cleanse you. It's not going to burn you to consume you. And the Lord goes on and he says, even from the days of your fathers who went away, they, they've gone away from my ordinances. Look, our fathers defected from the Lord. Our country turned its back on the Lord. The church walked away from the Lord. And they didn't even know he left the building. And evil spirits came in, in the form of false worship. And the people didn't even know that a canopy of darkness had descended upon them. Yet even in this time, this perilous time, he says, even after our fathers and, and even our, we're also guilty, all of us have defected from the Lord at one time or another. He says unto us, return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. And so that's our choice. Seven-year ministry of Jesus is real. He will keep his covenant. He's coming as God Almighty in his people before he comes in the cloud. Now, I know Satan's version of the of Bible prophecy is that Satan rules the day of the Lord. It's really his day until the very last day when Jesus comes in the clouds. And, you know, God's going to save Israel through the fire and but the devil's going to rule the whole earth. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The day of the Lord is the Lord's day in which he is coming. He's coming forth as God, as the Lion of Judah, first in his people. Then he will come in the clouds. He's coming in an anointed remnant to judge the whole land. He's coming with a mighty army, the 144,000, who will be the vessels through which he manifests his infinite power. And they're coming to save his righteous little ones. If your heart is right with the Lord, you have no, nothing to fear from men. For the Lord himself has said, I will protect that which is mine. And if your whole life belongs to the Lord, you're fine. You will be protected by the commandment of the king. And if not, then you'll be part of everything else that will soon be destroyed. So hallelujah. I'll close with um, the final words of, of Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. And they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened. The Lord's listening, and he heard it. He heard our, our conversation. He heard our cries for mercy and for deliverance. He heard our prayers and he's seen our tears and a book of remembrance was written before him of all of those who truly fear the Lord and who think upon his name. And so the Lord commands his angels, write in a book the names of everyone who's crying and, and mourning over their sin and who's hungering and thirsting for my righteousness and who's fasting and praying and seeking my name, doing all that they can do crying out for deliverance from this iniquity that is covering the land like a cloud. And let their names be written in my book of the remnant. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. 
and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. These are the sons and daughters of God who serve the Lord, and they will surely be spared. For they are the jewels of his kingdom. And then you'll return and you'll be able to discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked. And between those who serve God and those who only give him lip service. Behold, the day comes and it will be burning as an oven in all of the proud. Oh, yes, the proud. Sin pride. Most righteous among us. The most upright among them are sharper than a thorn hedge. Their pride has made their hearts harder than flint. All of those that are proud and all that do wickedly and all who bear false witness, they shall be like stubble. And the day that is coming will burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and will leave neither root nor branch. It'll burn their entire family tree. But unto you that fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing. God's going to bring healing and redemption. The Jubilee, the final 70th Jubilee will come. We will transition into the eternal Jubilee and healing in its wings. And you shall go forth and you will grow up as calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked. For the wicked shall be literally ashes under the soles of your feet. And the day that I do this thing saith the Lord. Remember the law of Moses, the word of Moses. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah will appear and he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. What? How could fathers forsake their children and also the hearts of the children back to the fathers? Why would children forsake their fathers? lest I come and smite the entire earth with a curse. That's the time that we're in today. Man's enemies, members of his own house, fathers betrayed by children, sons betrayed by parents, man's enemies even among those of his own family. The Lord is coming soon. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make the way of God straight in your life. And, and if this message has touched your heart, tune into my YouTube channel, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and look for the message, The Valley of Hinnon. You are most assuredly going to want to hear this. So praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Folks, listen, there was years ago, there's a lot, been a lot of interpretations on Daniel chapter nine. There's an historical view uh, that the whole 70 weeks, obviously the Messiah was cut off halfway and the stoning of Stephen was the finishing of the 70 weeks. Then there's the other side where they say, well, no, the whole 70th week of Daniel's in the future. And you get all this stuff, but nothing really satisfies everything because there were some things that that daniel said that would be done at the completion of this you know when in the 70 weeks that were determined upon the people to finish the transgression to make an end of sins to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and anoint the most holy and and the only thing you can see is you can see the Messiah fulfilled some of that. And you can see dual fulfillments because, yes, he did make an atonement 
uh, at that time. And he did make and he, he, he paid the price, but the end of all sins hasn't happened. There's a sense of actual completion to this all happening. And it wasn't brother Benjamin until I heard this really that, wait a second. It only makes sense that Jesus hasn't fulfilled everything yet. His ministry is not over. And brother, I appreciate it, folks. Listen, all we're asking is you just pray, read, and study, and allow the Lord to lead you in the direction and hear from him directly. Um, But this, I praise the Lord for this because it was finally like, hey, you know what? God's not done yet. And folks, whatever you got out of this, remember one thing. God is not done. The best wine is coming last, and his work is going to be fulfilled through his people. He always has used people to complete his mission, and he will do that in the last days. And you haven't seen anything yet. You think it's been wild so far? (laughs) No, it's about to get really wild. And the supernatural is going to break fully loose. And as Brother Benjamin is talking earlier, you need to guard the gates of your churches, of your worship, your home, the people you're fellowshipping with, because it's not time for any false witnesses and false teachers and false prayer warriors and all that stuff. It's time to get real with God and the seven-year ministry of Jesus. Thank you, brother, for sharing that here with us tonight. I appreciate it. God bless you for that. Oh, hallelujah. I'll leave you with one final scripture. Sure. The remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest, and as young lions among flocks of sheep and goats, who if he goes through both treads down and tears into pieces, and none can deliver, and thy hand shall be lifted up against thy adversaries, and all thy enemies shall be cut off. These prophecies, this is from uh, Micah, these prophecies have not been fulfilled. The people will rise up as a great lion at the end of the age. It hasn't happened. You'll do greater works than I did, Jesus said. That hasn't happened. Your your comment, Frank, about Daniel 9, the 70 weeks are determined to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy. Prophecy hasn't been sealed. The two witnesses are going to prophesy for three and a half years. It's not going to be sealed. Prophecy is being unsealed right now. So the 70th week, it doesn't end until the consummation everything and so you know here we are knocking on the door the the 70th week is being fulfilled by the true messiah but the the antichrist is also confirming a covenant for seven years it's not really the 70th week it's just the counterfeit confirmation that's right it's a counterfeit work of satan everything the antichrist does is a counterfeit he's got his own ministry oh yeah yes He's the son of perdition to cast the final deception upon the wicked. You could probably attend one of his churches somewhere close to where you live. A lot of churches are going to turn and follow him. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. No, brother, I I appreciate it. It, It's, it's so true that God has so much more to accomplish and it's not been fulfilled. And I know there's the whole group of it's all in the future and the Messiah being cut off in the midst of the week. That's the church flying away. Uh, no, it says the Messiah, not the church. Okay. Read it. You got to read it closely. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not being harsh, but last year week I had to make it clear. 
we are not a pre-trib rapture channel please folks and and i love people and i don't just because you believe different me doesn't mean i hate you but listen if it doesn't happen you don't fly away it's okay stay just keep praying god will get us through this he promised to never leave us nor forsake us he was with noah through the flood he was with joseph through those through the hard times the drought in egypt and everything and he will be with us all the way to the end reread romans chapter 11 realize that you've been grafted in and you even a gentile are now a part of israel because of the blood you have been grafted into the true vine we were wild yes we didn't belong but god grafted us in and if you understand anything about agriculture and about grafting you understand that once you are grafting in you literally become a part of the branch the root you become a part of the family i don't know about you but that's good news to me hallelujah brother god bless you so much thank you for coming on tonight well, God bless you, Frank. Appreciate all your efforts with Remnant Call. And, you know, God bless the listeners. Hey, you guys, understand the lateness of the hour. Understand we need to be fasting and praying, and that includes you. And do the Daniel fast if you've got a job that requires you to have continual energy. But understand that we got to press in because we got to turn the tide on this thing. Mm. We have to overcome them. And so many are struggling. Now, if, if you're walking in the total victory, praise God. You know, thank you, Jesus. Would you please pray for the rest of us? Amen. Because most of us are battling. And you know what? We are going to overcome. But this is, the war has never been at this level, Frank. Yes. The abyss is opening. It is getting worse. The deception, the defilement, the power of the enemy grows. And that's why more than ever, we need to become people dedicated to prayer, people who are instant in prayer, and people who make prayer the very first thing of every day. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Folks, glad to have you here tonight. Keep pressing, keep studying, and, and allow God to speak to you. And I just had a question come up here on one of the other programs asking, Brother Frank, you know, have you thought about leaving the United States? Let me say it like this. Folks, I'm ready to go just as soon as the Lord says leave. And I don't want to leave a minute too early and not a minute too late. But folks, listen to God. He will instruct you when is the time. Don't go in your flesh. Go by the Spirit, and the Lord will never let you down. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Lord, trumpet in Zion, sound.